So as we're stepping into this new year, 2020, one of the things that we've been talking about over the last three weeks is seeing 2020. We want to have good sight. We want to be able to see into what's coming and have clear vision and clear sight. And I shared the story about me getting glasses for the first time. It was like, oh my gosh, trees have leaves on them. It's not just a blob. And it was just one of those, oh my, and then colors at night, all of that came together. But here's the thing. We don't need to just see what's on the page in front of us or the tree that's standing before us. We really need to see down the line. So I could not not talk about what we're going to talk about today. We have to go here. One of the things that we have always clamored to find, all of us, Michael W. Smith wrote a song about it called Place in This World, where we're trying to find our place. Where do we fit? And what precludes that is we're trying to figure out who we are. Now listen, when you're 16 and you're trying on identities like the clothes in the closet where one day you're a cowboy kicker, the next day you're a jock, the next day you're a headbanger. I don't know what they are now, but I was a headbanger. All of that and metalhead and all that. When you're trying to find that, you're, you're trying on identities. It's the difference between seeing a police officer in plain clothes and calling him bro and dude and getting a dude hug. And a high five and a chest bump, and then you see them in uniform, and it's like, yes, sir, yes, sir. It's a different mentality. Why? Because his identity is being projected by what he's wearing, what he's clothed in. When I was 16, I remember moving. I was actually 15. We moved from Lubbock to Post. So we went to a good-sized community in West Texas to a small town with 69 in my graduating class. Here's what I noticed when I got to Post. Everybody in post wore Justin Ropers and Wrangler bootcut jeans, and you also had to get the ever-precise crease down the jeans. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm serious. I mean, if, if a guy just put them on that day, you could cut yourself on that crease. So not, what didn't take me long after living there to figure out, oh my gosh, in order to fit in, and I didn't think about it consciously, it's just I started talking to my mom and dad. I said, hey, I really need some Justin Ropers. I, I, want some, I want a taupe-colored roper. I want some Justin. And my parents were like, who is this kid? And I'm like, no, I just need some Justin. So they got me some Justin Ropers. Well, they didn't go too good with my Levi's bell-bottom pants. <laughs> Mind you, it's about 1975, I guess, 76. So they didn't, go, they didn't work with my my pants at all. So I'm like, Mom, I, I've got to get some Wranglers. I've got to get the boot cut. They've got to have the big brass, you know, buttons on them. I mean, and, and, and I needed to get starch. She's like, what? I'm like, no, I need a can of starch. And I mean, I learned how to iron those creases to a fine razor's edge to where when I would take them off and to put them on, it was like stepping through cardboard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to get those on. And you know what? For a moment, I felt like I fit in. But that wasn't me. Because while I'm doing that, I'm listening to ACD in my pickup, ACDC and Kansas and Boston and Bad Company, and yet I'm hanging around with all these cowboys. I'm like, wait, something's not working here. Something's not fitting here. So I tried on another identity. I loved football. I loved sports. So I played all the sports. I played everything that was offered. And so I, I was, I'm going to be a jock now. So I got rid of the, the Justins. I got rid of the Wranglers. Went back to my Levi's and then sported my Journey t-shirt. Come on, somebody. You know I'm preaching now. I start talking about Journey. And, and I, just, I was trying on identities. 
And that's really funny when you're 16. And it's really kind of cute, and we watched our own kids go through these cycles. My son, even though he was white, thought he was one of boys to men. And he wanted to be one, and he knew every song. And, you know, we all try on these identities. And it's cute and funny and necessary part of the, the rite of passage of growing up. But it's not so cute when you're 55. And you still don't know who you are. When you're 60 and you still don't know who you are or what you want to be when you grow up. Or let's backtrack, not let everybody off the hook. When you're 40 and you don't know who you are and who you want to be when you grow up. Let me tell you the power of what we're going to talk about today. The power of understanding your identity in Christ. Not in the world, but in Christ. I have to share this. Laura Story wrote beautiful, she's a great, um, not only is she an author, she's a songwriter, singer, amazing individual, lives in Nashville, and she wrote this, your mistakes don't define you any more than your victories do. That should be good news for somebody today. Did you have a bad week? If you had a bad week and you had some mistakes, let me tell you something, your mistakes don't define you any more than your victories do. Let me tell you the, the, the misnomer about this, not this statement, but about this concept, is that we tend to be okay with saying, you know what, I'm not defined by the mistakes of my past. Kudos to you, you've made a giant leap forward. You've gotten free from that. But here's another thing, you are also not defined by your successes and your victories. Men, we are not defined by our best day. We're not defined by our great accomplishments. There is only one thing on this earth or otherwise, that defines who we are, both men and women, sons and daughters, family. And it's this. Look at the second statement. You and I are defined by what God says about us, not what the world says. Culture is going to do everything they can to tell you who you are or who you should be. It may be reflected in music. It may be reflected in Hollywood and entertainment. And you darn sure better believe it's reflected in Instagram. Because not all of us have a great Insta life. But culture and the world is saying, this is the standard. This is who you should be. And if you want to fit in, if, this, if you want to connect and you want to belong, you need to do this. You need to drive this car, have this house, have this phone, have this computer, Wear these clothes, listen to this music, and then we may consider letting you fit in our group. Like I said, it's cute when it's 16, but it's terrifying when you're 65. So this issue of identity is critical for us to even think with any level of clarity into 2020. And as we say, seeing 2020, we've got to ask ourselves, what does God say about us, and who does He say that we are? So you and I are defined by what God says about us, not what the world says. So I want to I go to this statement right here, because this, to me, is where the, the hinge... This is where it hinges. This is where the tipping point is for me. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Amen. When you have clarity of who you are in Christ that you're a son, that you're a daughter, and you are who he says you are, you will know what to do. In other words, knowing who you are, your identity in Christ, having clarity about that brings 
clarity, it brings confidence, it brings joy, and it brings something we're all looking for, and that is peace. It also brings something that Jesus talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I have come that they, we, us, in Christ, that they may have life and have it to the full. Does anybody here want to live an abundant and full life? A life of overflow? Not living out of the cup, but living life out of the saucer, the overflow of who you are in Christ. Having that joy that when you wake up in the morning, you don't always have to set your alarm because you're just so darn excited about getting up. Some of you are going, you're nuts. Just ask now. I cannot sleep. Even on Friday or Saturday, my day off is Friday technically. You think I sleep past? I don't even set my alarm, but it doesn't matter. It, I just wake up. I can't help it. I'm high on life. I got this cap, and it's really getting worn out now. I actually got it here in Fredericksburg when we first moved here four years ago. And for you men, you're saying, that hat's just getting broken in, boys. That's the truth, right? Starting to get frayed around the bill. It's got a little sweat line on it, so I probably need to wash it every once in a while. But it says this on it, life is good. Amen. I didn't say perfect. I didn't even say great. But life is good. Why can't I say that? Because things are working? No. Because God is good. Amen. And in my church, I used to say, I would say, God is good. And all the time. See, we'll get better at that as time goes on. We've only been together four years, so we're a little slow. The power of identity, power of knowing who you are brings confidence, brings peace, it brings joy, it brings clarity, it brings focus, and it brings the big P, purpose. You actually know what you're supposed to do when you know who you are. Now, I first became a follower of Jesus, 18, 19 years of age. I didn't have a clue what was in my future, but I'll tell you this. When I stepped over the line to accept Christ as my Savior and be born again, born from above, born from the Spirit, as the Scripture says in John 3, what happened was a level of clarity came to be, but not the full meal deal. It comes progressively in increments, grace and measures of grace and greater measures of grace. So I got some level of clarity, but still didn't know. And I was the kid running around saying this, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Do y'all think that's a valid question? Not according to Henry Blackaby, who wrote Experiencing God back in 1978-79. No, 88, 89. Listen to this. He says, if you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer. Think about it. Okay, how do I kill my mother? Wrong question. There's no answer to that, right? The absurdity of it. But let me tell you another wrong question to ask. What is God's will for my life? You think, wow, that sounds like a noble question. A good question. You just want to know what God's will is for your life. The problem is, is my life. What's on the end of it? The right question to ask is, what is God's will, period? Okay, I better say that again in case you need to tweet that. It's not that deep, but it has profound ramifications. What is God's will? The bottom line is, God's will is what matters, not my life. God loves me. He invests in me. He pours into me. But the whole point is His kingdom, not my kingdom. So the right question to ask is, what is God's will? When you know who you are, you will know what to do. 
as I became a follower of Jesus and started down that track, it wasn't too long after following the Lord and getting to know His Word and diving in a little bit deeper, I found that I had a really profound hunger for the Word of God, for the Bible, the Scriptures. I wanted to know not just what it said that I read in the 1611 authorized King James Version. I want to know what it speaks to me in life today. What, does this work for real life? We know the word works, but we have to what? Work the word. So I wanted to know, so I dove in. I started unpacking. Then I went to college, and I, got, I did Greek, and I did Hebrew, and I began to learn and pull out the jewels. And as I did this, my identity began getting clearer and clearer and clearer. Until one day it culminated, and I was listening to a program by Bob George. Bob George and Bob Christopher called People to People, and they were talking about our identity in Jesus Christ. It wasn't based on works. It wasn't based on performance. It wasn't based on our behavior. It wasn't based on how much we read the Bible, how much we prayed, how much we sacrificed for God to earn bounty points. All that mattered was I understood that I am His. He lives in me. Not only does God have this, God's got me. And to rest into the truth that in Christ I am enough. And that I am worthy because I'm His child. When that bomb went off in me, it changed everything. It was like I got born again again. You ever had that experience where you're like, you do such a jump and such a level up that it feels like, oh my gosh, this is new all again. Because here's what had happened. I had fallen into, into productivity. I'd fallen into trying to bear fruit. No, no, no. Trying to produce fruit as opposed to bearing fruit. There's a difference. And I was trying to make it happen. And in my religious nobility and my big moral compass, I was trying to make this thing happen. I was praying more, thinking if I prayed more, I'll get more of His presence. If I worship harder, I'll get more of Him. And I kept trying to get more and more by doing more and more. Do you realize at some point you just fly your plane into the side of a mountain? What I got was wore out. Curtis, what I got was tired. What I got was frustrated. And then what I got was disappointed and disillusioned. God, don't you see what I'm doing for you? Don't you see all my hard work? My gosh, I've read through Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest, three times, three years in a row, never missed a day. Don't you see what I'm doing? God finally just whispered to me in a, in a moment, it's not about what you're doing, Jimmy. It's about who I am and what I'm doing. Why don't you rest in that? Take a break. You're working too hard. And I tried to take a step back and begin to rest into him. And as I listened to Bob Christopher and Bob George, and then I read a book called Classic Christianity, which blew my world up, blew my theological boat out of the water. And suddenly I began to realize, wait a minute, my identity is based on who he says I am, not what I'm doing, not my behavior, not my performance. And I need to learn what it means to rest in him and labor from a posture of rest in a posture of grace. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Listen to this out of Colossians. And now, Paul's speaking. Remember, Paul wrote this letter of affection to the Colossians. He loved the Colossian church. 
that church was established on one of his missionary journeys in Asia, and he had a profound love for this body. And he's writing them, bringing order to some things. He says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow. In other words, the way you found him, dancing with the one that brought you, the way you found him is the way you continue in him. How did we find him? One word, grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace... Through faith are you saved. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest no one should boast. In other words, there's nothing to brag about in me. The bottom line is, I came to Him in grace. What is grace? Simple definition. I've shared it before. I beat this drum. I will continue to beat the drum till every one of us get it in Fredericksburg and Gillespie County. So we could all get it here, but I'm going to keep saying this. That's how critical this is. Here's the definition of grace, basic definition. It is God's power, God's strength, God's ability, God's authority, and God's favor to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. That's the power and force of grace. It is never passive. It is always active in nature. Grace is... It's not just some sweet thing. It's a powerful thing. It's amazing. And we came to Jesus by grace through faith. And here's what's so amazing about this. Listen to me, family. The only reason you had faith to believe God is because he gave you the faith to believe. He didn't even come from you. You can't work up that kind of saving faith. The Bible says this, faith comes by what? And hearing by what? Well, we think that means the Bible, but that's not exactly what it means. It actually means the message of Christ, which we call the gospel or the good news. The reason why you came to faith and had faith to believe, a saving faith, is because you heard the Word of God in the form of the gospel. Jesus Christ. Jesus alone. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through or by or in me. So we get to God through Jesus. You heard the gospel, and it produced in you faith to believe. He produced the very faith that you had to believe. Isn't that amazing? It almost sounds like it's all about Him. (laughs) It almost sounds like it's all about the Lord. It's about Jesus. It's about the kingdom. It's about the Spirit of God at work in us. It almost sounds like this is all about Him. (laughs) Flash, news flash, hello, should have had a V8. Yes, it's all about Him. It is all about Him. And when we lean into that, we get to participate and cooperate with Him and do the kingdom and join Him in His work. Ah, there it is. When we realize that it's all about Him, we'll begin to have clarity about who we are in Him. And when we know who we are, here, listen to me, church. When we know who we are, we will know what to do. Some of you need answers right now. You need solutions for life. Some of you are in places where I don't even know what to do with my life. Some of you are in that place. Some of you are in places where I just don't know what to do about a situation. I need help. I need answers. Let me tell you something. When you know who you are, not only will you know what to do, you'll know how to do it. 
He brings that through identity, understanding that you're a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. You're a prince. You're a princess. The Bible says we are royalty in the king's court. Not paupers on the outside. We are on the inside. God loves you. Now, some of you are saying, that may be good for you, Jimmy, because you never mess up or make a mistake. Whoa, hello. Let's compare scars. Can we do that? Let's just have a scar off, all right? Let's go. So bottom line is this. It's not about being perfect. Remember, no, say it with me, no perfect people allowed. So it's not about being perfect, but here's what it is about. Just as you accepted Christ, you must continue in Him. Let your roots grow down into Him. Let your lives be built on Him. Good foundation, good house. Bad foundation, really bad house. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with gratitude, thanksgiving. Life will just come out of you. You show up, and God shows out because He is in you, flowing out of you. Now listen, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Listen, we need to have a category for these spiritual powers of this world. If you don't have a category for that, you're in trouble before we can get started here. Amazing line from a song by Cademan's Call a long time ago. It says this, The truth is not contingent on me. Truth is not contingent on what you believe, my friends. You could stick your head in the sand and say, I don't believe in demonic powers, dark forces, malevolent, that I'm being resisted by the devil. You can say that all all along, but you better rip out about half of your Bible. Because the bottom line is this. Truth is not contingent on whether you believe it or not. Truth is truth. And the forces of that truth and the reality of it still bear on your soul and bear on your life, even if you choose not to believe it. So we need to open up a category for spiritual warfare and and the, the enemy who is against us. Why? Because it's Bible. Remember, our identity doesn't come by what we think. It comes by what God says. So that's just a parenthetical thought for another time. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Everything that God is is contained in Jesus. Whoa, how is that true? Because Jesus was bigger on the inside than he was on the outside. Can you get that? I know it's hard to wrap your mind around. But he had the world of faith. He had all the faith in him that raised himself from the dead, raised Lazarus from the dead, and parted the Red Sea, and created the earth. All of that in Christ. And he's walking around in an earth suit containing all of that power. Don't try to wrap your mind around it. Just say, wow, not how. Wow. God, you're amazing. Wow. How? I don't know. But wow, that is amazing. Listen to this. You're complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Well, wait a minute. What did God just say? Through the missionary, through Paul, he just said that we who are followers of Jesus are complete in Christ. So all the power that's been packed into an earth suit called Jesus, who now, through his death, burial, and now resurrection, subsequently, 
lives within us and makes his dwelling in us, makes his home in us, we now contain what he contained. And the Bible says this, we are complete in him. Notice it didn't say perfect. Remember, no perfect people allowed. But oh, complete people, come on in. Complete means whole. And because of Christ in you, you have been made whole in Him. Jesus said something on the cross, three words that are mind-boggling. And we may spend the rest of our life unpacking this and learning the implications of it. And it is this. Say it with me. It is finished. Say it one more time. It is finished. And what Jesus said he meant, that's not just for a good meme or a poster or a great writing or a macrame pillow on your grandmother's, in your grandmother's couch. This is truth that transforms. That in Christ, you are complete. You are whole. Perfect? Nah, we're working that out. We're in Sanctificationville right now. We're literally being consecrated day by day. We're training for reigning. This is an ongoing process but in Christ, we're already whole, already whole, already whole. And it says this, he's the head of all. There's that word again, principality. There's that dark side. There's that category that we need to have. So here it is. Let's just land the plane on some truths. In Christ, I am who God says I am. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. In Christ, I am who God says I am. I'm not who I think I am. I think, therefore I am. Wrong. Sorry, doesn't work that way. Nice thought, but doesn't work. I am who he says I am. So who does God say that I am? Who does God say that you are? Who does God say we are together? Listen to this. The truth about our identity in Christ. Let's just go down the list. Keeping it very simple. This is going to be review for some, but let me tell you something. Just because you think you've heard this before, let it be fresh to you now. Put on a different set of glasses. Let's see it clearly for what it says. Christ himself is the life, not a life. Remember what Jesus said? I am the way, not a way. I am the truth, not a truth. And I am the life, not a life. I don't want a life. Get a life. No, I want the life. I want the life that's founded on the rock. The true cornerstone, the true foundation, Jesus Christ himself. That's what I want to build my house on. That's what I want to build a life on. Not on a rocky, shaky foundation. Not on sand that's shifting, but on a solid foundation. And there's only one, and it's Jesus. Someone say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and life. And then it says this, on to say, and no one comes through the Father except by, which is the same word for through or in. Through Him, in Him, by Him. Christ is the source from whom we live. Did you know that? He's the source. He's your fountain. He's the power. I, I was a student pastor for many years. I still am one. I just got older. So the thing is, I had this heater on the stage one time. It was one of those that had the glowing elements that are probably illegal now. You know, totally unsafe. But I had it on the stage, and I had a power cord. And I, and I brought the power cord out like with this. And I said, you have to understand that unless you are plugged into the source, this thing will never work. And I had this heater on here. Pretend my guitar is a heater. And I had this heater on here, and, and I would turn it on, and nothing happened. This is real deep, right? And then I took the power cord and I said, watch what happens. And then I 
put the, put the power to it. I said, now look what happened. I turned on, the, the elements begin to glow red and heat and the fan, little fan started turning. I said, unless you're connected to the power source, what you were designed to be, who you were designed to be, what you were created to do will never happen. Because you'll never work as you were designed to work unless you are plugged into the power source. All that is is going back to say this. He is our source for life. We uh, spent some time with a senator's wife. She was an ex-senator's wife. And uh, she was this elegant, beautiful lady. But she was depressed and emotionally shattered and spiritually oppressed and spiritually harassed. And we sat down with her one time and we walked her through some freedom, some sozo and theophostics. And she got completely free from that. And she made this comment to us a while later when she was in our life group with her husband, who was a football coach at McMurray at the time. And she said, she said, some of you can kind of take and leave Jesus. You know, you can go do other things and not think about him for a while. She said, for me to live, I have to stay connected to him 24-7. She said, the harassment spiritually I've, ex- I've experienced and the emotional torment that I've experienced, I don't have the luxury of turning the switch off and on. I'll never forget her saying that in our living room. She said, I can't unplug. Because, you know, some people who just listen to worship music all the time, they pray all the time, they talk to God all the time. We're kind of like, gosh, can't you have a normal conversation? She said, I can't afford to not live that way. She said, I won't survive if I don't. She understood what she needed and that he was her source for emotional health, spiritual health, physical health. She said, I'm staying plugged in. I'm not letting go. So Christ is our source. For in him we live and move and have our being. Paul at the Areopagus on Mars Hill speaking to the Greek scholars and philosophers saying, look, there's one true God and this is him. He's the one in him we live and move and have our very being. He is our source. There is no other. Oh. Christ wants to live his life in and through you. I've, I've said this so many times. I said this to a group of ladies. I, I got to speak at Oak Hills for the women's ministry kickoff last week on Tuesday morning. 360 ladies. And I shared the scripture and the truth out of this passage. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in and through me. When I w- went off on this through piece, it was like light bulbs coming on all over the room. Because a lot of times we think it's all about us. I just want Jesus, just me and Jesus got a good thing going on. Yeah, me and Jesus are just like this. Just me and the Lord out on the lake, out on the hunting blind. It's just me and Jesus doing my own thing. Do you not understand it was never about you and Jesus? The reason Jesus wants to pour his life into you is so he can pour his life out of you. Because it's not about me, it's about we In fact, why don't we take it another step? It's not just about we, it's about them. What about everybody who's not here this morning? What about everybody in our community that's that's drunk and hung over this morning, in pain, feeling like a, you know, they got a monkey on their back. I mean, they're just struggling today, and they're hating themselves, going, why did I do that again? Why did I do that again? Or is I the only one at 17 who was saying that? why do I keep doing this? It makes me feel horrible. I hate what I do, what I say. Just read, like a dog returns to a vomit, I'd do it again. 
what about them? I'm so glad that somebody, I got on somebody's radar screen and they shared the gospel with me. The good news, it changed my life. Not just the trajectory of my life, the trajectory of my eternity. I've been crucified with Him. He wants to live in you, but just through you as well. Listen to this. Christ has made you righteous in God's sight. Now, this is massive, but I want you to notice something. 2 Corinthians 6.21 doesn't exist. I had a typo. <laughs> it's 2 Corinthians 5.21, so I'm thankful for our Berean who pointed that out to me today. So, uh, so it was a typo. It's actually 5.21. So in case you're scrambling through your Bible and go, Jimmy's preaching heresy. He just made this up. This doesn't even have, there's not one of these. So don't panic. It's 521. I'm correcting myself. He's made you righteous. This is massive. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let me tell you what this does for you and me. That means we can walk into the presence of God, not on the floor, not cowering, not groveling. Oh God, oh God. You ever seen this posture before? Have you ever seen this? When we were in France, there were people all over the sidewalk like this or like this. Why? Because they were, late. They, were, they were bowing down to a false god. And I would walk by them and just tear up because I'm like, all oh, that is fruitless. There's no life in this. Because they were groveling before a, an angry, angry God, little g. He's made us righteous so that we can actually walk into his presence. Now, listen, I don't mean to be irreverent, but you know what? I know my daddy pretty well. There you go. So this isn't irreverence when I walk in and I say, Daddy, Papa, Father, Abba, God, you're so awesome. You're amazing. You are all that in a bag of chips, too. You're amazing, God. I can come into my father, and you may call it irreverent. I call it familiar because my father loves me. Which means when I come into his presence, I can be myself. I don't have to put on a religious act like I do for you where I've got to have it all together and be clean and clean up everything. I can come to God as raw and real as I need to. And let me tell you something. He can handle my rawness. He can handle my anger. He can handle my doubts. He can handle my fears. He can also handle my excitement and my passion and my joy and my exuberance and my desire to see the kingdom come in my time. He can handle it all, and that's my God. And if you can't come before yours that way, amen. If you can't come before God that way, please check your pulse, check something. Say, wait, why, do, why can't I just be free in His presence? You know, I get up here and play some worship music, and it's fun and everything, but when I'm at home alone, man, I'm rocking out for the king. I'm telling you, it's loud. It's raucous. Just ask Annette. I try to wait till she's gone, but every once in a while, I just can't help myself. I just got to rip off a riff and go because a friend of mine told me one day, he turned to me in a meeting, actually with Dave Ramsey, and he turned to me, he goes, God just wants you to know he loves it when you play. He went back, and I'm like, what, huh, what? He was reminding me that God loves it when I play my guitar in his presence, even if I'm rocking out. That's my God. He loves me. And because I know that, I have joy and peace and passion. Passion. I don't, because I'm righteous before God, I don't walk in fear and go, oh, I hope I didn't mess up. I hope I didn't have a wrong thought. Oh, I hope I didn't say, oh, what if I didn't say that just right? What if I didn't pray it just right? What if doubt snuck into my prayer? Do you think God's going to rip my blessing off? 
That's not my God. I hope that's not yours. God knows me inside and out, warts and all. He still loves me. Christ is our source. He set us free. You'll know the truth. You'll know it by experiencing it. And the truth will set you free. And who the Son sets free is what, family? Free Do you know that you can walk before Him and say, even on your worst day, when you've had just a total meltdown with your spouse and you just probably said some of the dumbest stuff, uh, Dwayne, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff calls it pulling a big piece of stupid. And it's when you can go before God and say, and you can stand on truth to say, Lord, I just had a really bad moment, but I thank you that I am free. And I thank you that I am righteous. And I thank you that I'm not free and righteous because I act free and righteous. I'm free and righteous because you've made me free and you've made me righteous. And instead of you dragging around your guilt and shame for the next day and a half, that's usually what mine lasts, give or take, you can leave it there. And stand back up. Go in there and repent to your spouse. So sorry. I totally leaked out some ugly stuff. Bad on me, but oh, isn't God amazing? Would you forgive me? I want the worship team to make their way up. Come on up. We're going to leave the praise. Christ wants to reveal His presence in you and through you. For God has chosen to reveal the riches of mystery, which is Christ in, and come on, say it, through you. Remember, it's not about you. It's about we and them, all of us. The hope of glory. So here's what we do. Let me land with this. Here it is. As I shared this with those ladies, you should have seen the light bulbs coming on. It was like, oh my gosh, it lit the whole room up. Think what God thinks about you. Think what God thinks about you. What does he think about you? That you're a dirty, rotten sinner, scoundrel. Do you know you're not a sinner, you're a saint? You're a saint who sins, but you're not a sinner who occasionally looks or acts like a saint. You're a saint by the nature of Christ in you, that hope of glory. You're a saint. This is what he thinks about you. Say what God says about you. And I would say, say it out loud. You You need to hear it. You need to hear good news. In Christ, I am. I got help for you. I'm going to skip ahead one slide. Notice the bookmark up here. I had a big pile of those. A lot of them are gone. We'll get more. I had lunch, Annette and I had lunch with Bill and Paige Loveless yesterday. And Bill said, I just had 7,000 more bookmarks printed because of you. We've given away probably a couple thousand by now. Keep taking them. He's printing more now. This bookmark is just a simple tool. By the way, all the points I just gave came off this bookmark. I want you to have a tool going into 2020 that you can take with you, carry with you, and when you're having one of those days... You can go, wait a minute, I need to remind the devil and myself that I am righteous and holy, that I am, that in Christ I am. Oh, I'm fearless. Wait, I'm feeling fearful, but according to the Word, I'm fearless. So what am I going to trust, the way I feel or what the Word says? Am I going to trust truth or feelings? Wait, I walk by faith and not by sight. So I'm going to stand in the faith that I am fearless, even if I feel fearful. That's the power of standing and speaking. I'm worthy. Some of you walked in these doors feeling so unworthy that you couldn't even sing and worship. We're up here going eight nuts, and you're like, I can't even get this out. Did you know you've been made worthy because of what Jesus did for you? (laughs) That means you have worth or value. He valued you so much, he died on the cross for you. I'd say that's pretty worthy doesn't mean you have to feel worthy to be worthy. 
Remember, we walk by faith. Isn't it difficult for us as Christians? Does it ever bug you that we actually have to walk by faith sometimes? Wouldn't it be nice if we just felt that way all the time? But we don't. We walk by faith. But here's the deal. Faith is like... Faith, is the faith the caboose or the engine on the train? And what are feelings? Are feelings the engine or the caboose? Let me tell you something. The truth. Faith is the engine, and our feelings are the caboose. We get that reverse. The train doesn't work right. But when we walk by faith, the neat thing is, when you walk by faith, the feelings will follow. They're the caboose, not the engine. So we walk by faith and not by sight. So use this bookmark. We had a bunch. They're gone. But get what we have left. We'll get more. We'll make sure. And uh, I'll get those to you. I want you to use these as a tool to help you walk this out in 2020. Last couple of things. Live life knowing how loved and valued you are. Here's another one. Leak the love, life, grace, and joy that's in you. Why? Because it's in you. Christ in you. He's all those things. But when you walk intentionally that way, you, you, everywhere you go, you're just, it's spillage everywhere. You're just leaking out everywhere you go. Life. And just as a caveat, if that's not what's coming out of you, we need to check and see what's going in. Amen? What's going in? Because we do leak out what we're full of. Last thing, thank God every morning that your identity, value, and significance are found in Jesus. They don't originate in you. They're found in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. I hope you're encouraged. Do check out. If you want to, go online. Christ is Life is a website as well. You can get all of Bill's material on there. And I'm not just promoting Bill. I'm promoting the truth that Bill speaks and would encourage you as a resource. I'm trying to resource you. And you can download all of his stuff for free. He puts it out there. And we'll have Bill. I think I've got him coming in on the 29th on Wednesday night to do our, our teaching. But he'll be with us again off and on. But do avail yourself to the tools that are there. I just want you to know, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Isn't God good? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that you make us worthy. Thank you, Lord, that as we lean into that by faith, the caboose follows. The feelings do come. But initially, we have to lean into truth over feelings. We lean into the truth that you make us worthy. You make us valuable. Any goodness that's in us, it's because Christ is in us. And we're thankful for that. I pray for my friends, Lord, that they would find hope and faith and joy in this journey. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Our prayer team is going to be up here. They're making their way.